When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. And today we got a man from my neck of the woods, New England soldiers. Millie's is in the building. How you doing, man? What's up, man? Excellent. Doing good. 617. That's that's what Cambridge is? All, yeah, of, all yeah. of Cambridge, Cambridge is and Boston is 617. Excellent. Yeah. 603, my, my neck of the woods. 603. I fuck with the 603. I've been to Manchester for plenty of ratchet shows. Really? Yeah. That's like kind of where it's at, right? Yeah, hell yeah. I used to get booked there because I've been doing this shit for a long time. Like, so right. I used to get booked in Manchester for the most ratchet shows ever. Really? Yeah, I remember like around the time I left New Hampshire, I realized like, oh fuck, like Hellrell is playing some clubs in Nashville yeah, where I'm yeah. from and shit. Like they had a little yeah, they did Nashville all they, that. They had some artists who would come through and and play and stuff. And I was kind of a, I think I was oblivious to it like my whole time living there because we didn't really have the internet. Where'd you so live at? Nashville, New Hampshire. That's where you grew up at? Yeah, I mean, I, oh, I'm not going to go into more detail because I'm not going to mean anything to anyone <laughs> on earth. Shout out New Hampshire. <laughs> For sure. Your name came up because we were sort of having the whole conversation about basically there not being that many white rappers that are taken seriously in a way. And all of a sudden, boom, we're getting blown up. You got to fuck with this guy, Millie. He's a hard rapper. He's from the streets. He's from Boston. You should know more about him. Cambridge, yeah. Right. But, um, yeah, no, I saw that. And my name, did, I think the, the I think what y'all were talking about was uh, there's no successful white rapper that has street content, mm. which is a fact. Like, there's never been a white rapper that has blown up mainstream with street content in the music. The closest was probably Paul Wall, but he wasn't rapping about, like he was rapping about like Houston street culture, mm. but he wasn't talking about like, you know, really selling drugs or violence and shit. But he, to me, he was the closest thing. And then there's a couple out there that exist, but I was looking at him like, I'm, I'm out here, man. Right. You know what I mean? I'm here. I'm getting, I'm getting money for features. I'm doing my thing. I'm, I'm, I'm outside. So I'm like, come on, y'all got to bring me up in the conversation, man. Let's go. And here we are. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Um, all right, so take me back to a little bit of your... Well, actually, no, before we even do that, though, I, I do think it's an interesting topic, the whole, you know, just, like, how white people are perceived in rap. Like, it's clearly, like, just, like, a kind of different standard. There's, like, a different way that people are v- comfortable viewing rappers. Because, like, there are a lot of popular white rappers at this point in time. It's just they all kind of exist in, like, a different space. You go to, like, a G-Eazy or a Jack Harlow or a... I don't even like an Eminem or, you know, there's like a lot of different lanes. But when you think about like a lot of the most popular rap is stuff that is, you know, if you're going to like include all kinds of like street content all the way from like NBA young boy to like Griselda, you still don't really see that many white rappers being accepted in terms of like talking about street type stuff. Although like now getting more acquainted to your stuff and seeing how well your content's doing. I mean, you're definitely an exception to that rule. Yeah, I feel like it's harder. I feel like it's harder to make it as a white rapper, but once you make it through, it's way easier. Really? That's when like all the white privilege kicks in and shit like that. Interesting. And Target and 
you know, the big corporations want to work with you. Really? So you're looking forward to that? I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I'm Because I'm, I'm doing the type of music I'm doing. But uh, right. I've seen it happen with people. Yeah, hell yeah. Mm, definitely. So you started... Rap, rap, like you've been rapping for a long time because I was watching yeah, like yeah, interview yeah, clips yeah. of you from like over 10 years ago. Yeah, hell yeah. No, I'm in my early 30s. I've been fucking rapping since 2000 and 2008. Like going hard, passing out CDs, doing shows. I hit the ceiling in Boston in probably like 2011. I did Summer Jam because I've been lit where I'm from. I've been lit in my neighborhood. I've been lit in, in the whole mass. Like I've always been a name. But uh, yeah, it, it just took a while, and then um, I moved to New York in 2014. That's when I really started, like, really pursuing rap purely because it was always kind of like the streets and rap, the streets and rap, the streets and rap. Mm. But once I got to New York, I was able to leave a little bit of baggage behind and just purely focus on the music. And um, yeah, so 2000, I would say really 2016 shit started picking up. Mm. Okay, so what was your life like prior to getting into the music game? Like what part? I don't know, like when you were real young, like what kind of family upbringing did you have and, and were you around a lot of music? Yeah, hell yeah. It, it's funny because um, my father now, he actually lives in New Hampshire, but um, at the time, like he had like a real like, so I lived with my mother and then I would see my father on the weekends and my father's house was like real, like it was like a hub for artists. So people would be in there, um, like real artistic people, a lot of a lot of shit was going on. Actually, the singer Wapale lived there. I don't know if you ever heard Closer to My Dreams. She's like so. a Bay Area legend. Okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, his house was 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 crazy. It was a hub for artists. You know, people would be in there playing guitar, going crazy, just loud parties all night type shit. And um, I kind of, my mother kind of took me out of that environment at a certain point. She didn't feel like that was, like, the safest thing for me or whatever. It was just kind of loose over there. And uh, I started living with her full time in this neighborhood called the Coast in Cambridge, which is off of Central Square. And uh, like I, I was like a normal kid. Besides the fact that I was like the only white kid in my neighborhood, I, you know, just a normal kid playing basketball and shit like that. And slowly, um, I was I was put into special education when I was young for like behavior disorders. I'm a, what were you doing? You just fighting? I'm and just. Shit? Yeah, but I just couldn't concentrate on shit. So I would I would have fights. I would just I just couldn't like I just couldn't do school unless I'm interested in it. If I'm interested in a subject like English and shit, I always would pay attention. Anything else, I was just I was just bad. So they took me out the 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 regular classes with 30 kids. They walked me down the hall and put me in a class like way smaller than this room with like six other kids and no windows and shit like when I'm like in sixth grade. So that's like telling me, all right, you're, you're not normal. And then I'm just around all bad kids. So, you know, still sharp and still, and we just got progressively worse type shit. Do you think that you were, that you should have been in those classes at all? Like, obviously some people need that special level of assistance, but did you feel like it was just kind of like arbitrary that they put you in there? I don't know, because I don't know how I would have been if they just put me in regular classes, because mm -hmm. that's all I've known since I was 11, is behavior disorder. Mm -hmm. That's all I've known is like Adderall and like I got prescribed drugs young. You know what I mean? Really? Like hell yeah. So I was bouncing. So I, I, I really don't know because I know that most of, of the insane shit that I did came from the people that I was around because all I'm around is bad kids. Like as soon as they sat me in that room, I'm around bad kids. You're bad. You're bad. You're bad. You're bad. I'm bad. Let's be bad together. Hmm. That's why I had a, a fast acceleration into the streets like. 
I was really scamming at like 11. Really? I had a, we had a big scam where I was getting some money. It's, 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 we were scamming a charity and shit. It's fucked up, so I don't want to talk about it like that. But um, then I started selling weed at like, at like 12, whatever seventh grade is. However old you are in seventh grade, I got it booming. Really? But it's because I'm all around all these bad kids. They're putting you on. Like if you, if you know a kid who's selling weed on the other side of town, it's like what's going to stop you from being like, I want to make money yeah, in my but, neighborhood or around the people I'm around. But you want to one-up the, the people you're around. Right. So, you know, that's the cool shit when you're young. Oh, you got a knife? I got a gun. Oh, you got a gun? I got an M16. You know what I mean? Right, it's like yeah. it's that type of mentality. Oh, you, you, you sell weed? I sell crack. Like, right. It's like just seeing how far you could take it. So I feel like just being around that sped environment. But I take sped now, and I, that was a derogatory word. Mm. I take that shit and I make it a... I've transformed that word into like, yeah, you could be a sped and, and, and get money and be successful. I know a lot of millionaires that were in special education. I had a friend who was in special education and he ended up going to an Ivy League fucking right. college. Right. See, I Columbia. didn't know that was possible because yeah. I never felt it was possible for me to go to college because I was like, if I can't be in these classes, if I can't stay in a class with 30 kids how can i possibly go to college so i ruled college out when i was 12 college right. was gone school was a dub instantly they let me into Ringe, but i'm telling you so Ringe is the public school okay cambridge public school or whatever but by the time i get in Ringe, i'm already selling weed and i'm good at it like i'm really good at it this is like reggie like three blunts and a dime and shit like but that but good at it as in like you you had your process down you weren't gonna gonna get caught you were yeah yeah on, I, on, I had a whole system yeah. yeah hell yeah i used to wear like tidy whities and shit under my drawers and just put all the bud feel me that was my, that's my genius plan right there that's smart though yeah but um I, I went to Ringe and uh they let me into the public school i was still in the uh in the special ed classes they had me like in the basement of the public school and Ringe is a Ringe is like a high school where all the the basketball players came out of. Patrick Ewing came out of there. Cambridge got more basketball players than Boston. Mm. They they might be mad about that, you know what I mean? But that's a fact. Right. So that that's like what we do. You either play basketball in Cambridge or you 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 know figure out other shit to do. So I got kicked out of out of Ringe instantly. Like I came in there selling weed, but then they said I punched the teacher, and then I had to go um. For the rest of my high school experience, I went to Charlestown. So you're saying you didn't punch the teacher? No, nah, I didn't. Really? I like um, I kind of like brushed by him with like my elbow a little bit, and my elbow hit their face a little bit, but I didn't punch him though. Interesting. Interesting. There's more into that son. Interesting. Their standard for punching the teacher is probably like pretty low. Like you just kind of. You know what happened? Cause I was, I had, I had, fucked this chick, and it was like. The next day, she wrote me a note, and she, and the note said I'm pregnant. But I didn't know in my brain like it doesn't work like that. So I'm like, damn, she got pregnant overnight. This is crazy. So I was running to go see my man down the hall, and I'm like, yo, bro, I can't believe I got this chick pregnant. And the security like teacher person, stop running in the halls, and I just you know like one of those. Mm. So it was over. And then I went to um, then I went to Charlestown Seaport Academy, which is like, it was way worse than a sped experiences I was having before because now I'm in school with like the top-notch speds I'm in there with two kids from Roxbury two kids from Dorchester two kids from like Winchester in these like suburban towns and they were the craziest like these dudes would come to school with um like a like an iron burn 
Like the kids from the suburbs were crazy. One came in with a with with an iron burn because he tried to iron his shirt while it was on in the morning. So he had third degree burns in the shape of an iron. I thought you were gonna say that his mom fucking like pushed no, no, the iron that, into him I to mean, torture may, him or something. Maybe shit. that happened. Because that's the most retarded ass shit I ever heard. No, in my this, life. Is I'm I'm <laughs> this is what I'm saying. This is what I grew up around. Like they would take us on like um field trips to the aquarium, and I remember this kid. I'm not gonna say his name from East Boston. He knows who he is. But we came out of the aquarium and he was laying down on this like steel bench out there or whatever it is, one of those rock benches. And he had put popcorn all over himself and it was like 70 pigeons just pecking on him. And he was laughing like it was a joke. And I'm like, yo, what type of people am I around? You're going to get covered in shit doing that. Yeah. So that was my high school experience. And all of that just led into like street shit because I was like, all right, college is done. That's Mm -hmm. a wrap. So now, what could I do? What's the next logical steps? But I always had rap. I always knew I could rap. So that was kind of like the progression. But was there a rap lot of street shit running parallel? Like, who were you influenced by locally? Because that's kind of like one of the main things with Boston is that yeah, obviously like tons of people in Boston love rap. There's plenty of rappers in Boston, but it's just not like in comparison to if you were born in Brooklyn or Atlanta or whatever. It's like there's more of a hip-hop industry that's like looking for young talent whereas like in boston it just doesn't feel like there's as much of that since there haven't been as many popular rappers that come out of boston yeah i mean i was inspired by i was inspired by benzino to a degree like i saw him like i knew like we had a um we have a tournament every year in my neighborhood called hoops and health uh-huh. like a big basketball tournament and i remember like the made men uh pulling pulling up with uh like wrapped trucks and shit like i never saw a wrapped truck mm. I said made man like shit like that. That's probably the the most rap shit that I ever saw. And then I remember seeing um Smoke Bulger. I don't know if you heard of him. He signed he been rapping for a long time. He signed to Rick Ross right now. Really? But uh he uh he was in the in the Herald. I remember being in my school in Charlestown and like looking in the newspaper and seeing him with the Boston Bruins jersey on with his chains on and shit and he had got a big deal from Sony. So that like kind of let me know all right, it, shit is possible. Mm-hmm. You know, but I didn't really have no like big aspirations to blow up right there. Like, I was just rapping. And it's not like you had anybody who was like trying to nurture your talent. Nah, nah, that didn't happen until I went to New York. Right. Okay. So, what? We're still on the part of your life where you're like getting out of high school or not going to college, right? Yeah, yeah. And so at that point, like you get into the streets. Like, uh, I know you probably don't want to get super specific, although it has been a long ass time. Like, what, what can you say about that? Well, like, I came up under a different cloth of dudes. I remember being, like, like 12, right? And I would hang out in this park, maybe 13. I would hang out in this park called Columbia Park. And at the time, I knew this older dude, and he was from the South. His name was YG. Now, at the time, I'm not knowing he's on the run for a murder in Mississippi. But he got gold in his mouth. This is before, like, you could just go on Instagram. How now they could tell exactly how someone's living in Baton Rouge and mm. shit. And you could emulate their whole style. This is when it's just you're in the East Coast. Mm. And that's what you know. Like, whatever you see in the source or whatever. So I'm directly seeing a real dope boy killer from, allegedly, because that's what he's booked for right now. You know mm. what I mean? But innocent. Who knows? But, um, yeah, so I'm like. I'm coming up under kind of like his tutelage because he would hustle in that park that I was at, mm-hmm. Columbia Park, because that, that, like, Cambridge in that era, early 2000s is like a, it's still a drug zone, but 
it's gentrified now, but it was like a million dollar block that just zombies marching up and down. Really? A lot of foot traffic. So he would hang out there, sellers, whatever. And I would kind of just, you know, I, w- I would run to the store for him if I had to, whatever. But, uh, you know, he was just ill. He was super charismatic. He had gold teeth, money busting out his pockets. He would go to that to the liquor store and buy like Moet instead of like dudes was buying like E&J and Hennessy. He would buy like a bottle of Moet. I was like, oh, he's fucking rich. <laughs> and um, I came up like, you know, under people like him. And then I, I remember like a, a year or two later, I guess he had to go on the run again and he got caught in California, but he was on America's Most Wanted. And wow. they showed like the park where we would chill at. Shit like that. So these are like the type of people I came up under. So then I'm like 14, 15, figuring out for myself. And I bump into another older guy from my neighborhood called Beast. And um, Beast had just came home. He had actually did two years for, for, there was 32 dime bags of weed on the floor. And he did two years for that. Really? In a crowd of 12 people, 32 dime bags. So whatever that equivalates to. But that, you know, when the marijuana laws was yeah. terrible, like I can't believe people did time for shit like that. But he had came home on that. But he was a big dope boy too when he came home. And he had heard like from the neighborhood, he was asking around like who could rap. And everybody was like, yo, the white boy, Millie's, Millie's could rap. Uh-huh. So he would take me to the studio and shit and kind of like just groom my talent. Um, he took me to a studio on Newberry Street, you know, Newberry Street in mm-hmm. Boston, like affluent shit. And he'd have me in there, weed, liquor, whatever, put some money in my pocket. And I was under his record label at the time, Block 617, when I'm like 15, 16. But he's the plug. So he's giving me free work, too. So now I got an upper advantage. Because I started selling crack when I'm like 14. You know, I just made that transition. But by the time I got with Beast, I'm a little deeper in the game. And it's like he's hitting me with free work so everything is profit because he's like you're my artist here whatever wow and so i was under his wing he actually took me to the ozone awards when i was young in miami what the fuck yeah hell you heard of that oh yeah yeah i was at the ozone awards when i'm like 16 17 so i had like real experiences through these bigger homies kind of that was grooming my talent because like a lot of people are trying to make it out of like you know a, a place like Cambridge or whatever but they don't like that they don't even have like a vision of what it would actually yeah. be like but you go to the yeah. Ozone Awards yeah. it's like you're just surrounded by yeah. greatness and yeah. all these yeah. people who made yeah. millions Hell off yeah. this Hell shit yeah. I got a mascot right now did you see my mascot? Uh, I don't think so I got a mascot like a life size mascot of me type shit oh, but wow. I remember seeing Haitian Fresh at the Ozone Awards with the mascot Wow. And that, so it's like little things like that. But even like, that's why I got my man Haas here right now, because he's younger. I want to show him like mm. aspirational shit, because I saw shit when I was young, like the Ozone Awards that Beast took me to or whatever. And that let me know like, oh, it's a whole big ass world out there. This is when like plies is lit and shit like that. <laughs> but yeah, so, so I was under Beast with Block 617 and he would give me free studio, free work, all of that. And uh, we actually... um. We caught a case together, me, him, and ES, but me and ES beat our shit, and he pled to what was caught on him or whatever. And uh, then he caught another case, and he caught, like, another case, but he ended up doing, like, 12 years and shit. Wow. So he's home now. That's still my man. But I had, like, after he left, I had to figure it out on myself, and that was the first time, like, I didn't have any big homie type shit. So now it's just me 
and a few of my homies. And at the time, I got like a spot in uh, Woodrow Wilson. It's like a little projects in my neighborhood or whatever because I had a I had to connect to get a spot where it was like three hundred a month and shit. Uh-huh. So now I'm just in the spot with my people, and we got really no guidance at this point. Like there's no big homie. I'm like rapping, but I'm kind of not rapping. We getting into like other shit. We got tension with people. We got issues with people. Shit like that. And that was probably like the most unproductive part of my life. Um, my homies ended up getting a life sentence that I would be with every day off of murder. And um, just a lot of shit going on. Getting shot at people. You, a, a, a lot of shit. So a lot of shit going on. You basically like that time period of your life, you had a bunch of good shit that was kind of going for you for certain periods of time. But then you just kept having like you know basically seeing the downside yeah. of that life is like you could get thrown in jail for the rest of your life you could get a, a crazy ass case and yeah hell yeah like but like at first it was people taking me under their wing and then when i wasn't under nobody's wing and i had to figure it out for myself that's when shit kind of got a little a little scary right because when you have you know. that guidance it's like you're not going to make as many mistakes and then all of a sudden when you're sort of on your own it's like yeah i had to i had to figure it out and we're all young just trying to figure it out it would be all six of us just like sleeping in woodrow wilson every night doing whatever we doing and i was active like i was active like i was active and and we was all active and that shit led to i I couldn't believe it but that that shit led to you know my bros getting a life sentence and they should really be able to flip it because it was more like a self-defense. I don't want to go too much into it, you know what I mean? But they're still, they're still down to this day. I got tatted on my arm. And um, were you were, were there times where you thought about quitting, either you know trying to make it as a rapper or quitting trying to make it in the streets? Yeah, I always didn't. I I didn't have like aspirations to make it in the streets because one thing I understood is you don't get like more than like a year and a half run type shit. You get like a year you, if you're lucky in the streets, you get like a three year run. Hmm. And I was seeing that everyone was going to jail. Everyone was going to jail around me, and I had cases. Hmm. I had a cocaine conspiracy charge, beat that, and then I got caught with um 14 grams. I got caught with 14 grams of um crack or coke whatever at the hospital because somebody had got stabbed and I had drove them to the hospital and I left the car in the fucking in the the tow zone lane Uh, and I'm super bent in the hospital with my friend because it's really not that deep he was actually trying to like stop somebody he was trying to stop somebody from doing something and he got sliced on his hand. So I'm in there with him and I'm just bent and I'm in the hospital and the cops come in and they're asking me questions and whatever. Long story short, they arrest me for a DUI. But then I didn't know they had the right to search my car because it's called an inventory search. Wow. Basically, like if they tow your car, they have the right to search it just in case you could say, yo, I had six million dollars in there. Hmm. No, they search it to put it on a record or whatever. So right. they they search the shit out of it and they and and they found that. So I got charged with um like distribution or whatever. But with my lawyer, we busted down to a uh we busted down to a possession with the DUI and a two and a half year suspended sentence. So I had I had um that like over my head, so I would be a little easy too. But yeah, that was like the most tumultuous point and then a lot of shit, bro. I could just go on like it's, I, I lived right. a long fucking life. You know what I mean? But um, I don't know where you want to go from there. What What do you think? 
kept you from ending up doing like a, a serious amount of time you feel like d- does that make you feel like you were meant to be here that you saw all these people around you get locked up yeah. or get no, killed no I got, and- I got I got iller shit than that that like I've I've been through like divine intervention I don't know if you like believe in God like but I've been through like divine intervention like miracles how to explain. actual miracles let's like, hear one I was going to the show one time and um this is right after my homie's uh, went down for murder, and I want to say like I don't see I don't be like I told this story before on twenty three and one. Shout out to my boy Josh. But it's all entertainment. You know what I mean? Just a kick. I don't know. This is whatever. This is this is like uh, I just want to cover myself. You know what I mean? I don't want to. Right. It's all this is a long time ago. This could have sixteen happened. years ago, and it's just a story for no jumper, but. Yeah, we had a show or whatever, and uh, a lot of shit was going on, and I, I had this little flight jacket, and I had a plan, like, with the flight jacket. Um, like, if anything goes on in this club, I'm going to just shoot through the flight jacket. It was like one of the black shits with the, with the, with the orange inside, $20 mm. flight jacket, like, like that, but the black shits. I had the pistol in my pocket, so it's just, it's just going on, and it kind of gets spooky at one point in the club, and it's the first time, the first time I ever... Got in an encounter where I like shot at somebody out of fear or tried. And because somebody broke through the crowd towards me after a little altercation and it looked like they were, uh, it looked like they were up in something and I backed up. It's the first time I ever dumped out of fear and I backed up. And I, mind you, I had a brand new 2 2 revolver. Perfect. It was perfect. There was nothing wrong with it. I backed up when he broke through the crowd and clicked. Click, click. And it didn't go off. Big melee. We run to the bathroom and shit. And I'm like, yo. Like, my people are like, yo, what's going on? I'm like, yo, bro, I swear to God, I try to boom him. Whoop, whoop, whoop. I look in my pocket and I take the, take the gun out, the toy gun out. And it's, it's in like five different pieces. And I don't even know how to break a gun down with my hands. Right. Like, I don't know how to do that. And it's a new joint that had been tested and all of that. There's no way I could have took it apart in my pocket. The safety pin's out, the barrel's over here. It's in like four pieces. I pass a piece to bro, 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 bro. And we walk out of there. And in hindsight, if that gun went off, it was security right there, it was a camera right there, camera right there, camera right there. The detectives was driving by right there. God came and disassembled the gun in my pocket. Uh-huh. That's what I believe. Because I, I, you can't explain it to me. You can't tell me it was a piece of shit gun because we, we're running around with this. That never happened. And I don't know how to do that. Mm. That is pretty crazy. To me, that's divine intervention. That's why I'm like, I, a cross is on my face and shit. Like, I'm godly. I, I believe he took me out of that life with that or he showed me something and I always go to that. Whenever I'm in any sort of tumultuous situation I always just remember like bro I've been like I'm literally a product of a miracle right what happened with the guy who was coming towards you it was like a melee and you know um I think people on his side was like you know are you backed up they might have thought I ran I don't know right yeah but yeah so what are you thinking about that night when you're laying in bed you're thinking like I'm no, that shit boggled my mind. Yeah, that shit boggled my mind to this day. At first, you know, I'm young and dumb, so I'm, I keep trying to 
tell my people like nah, i squeezed bro i swear to god i squeezed bro I swear. that's right. what i was on but then like as i got older i'm like damn that's divine intervention and there's there's another situation i, I would talk about but it's too that's that's too much but <laughs> yeah man it's it's just like I, I just feel like god strongly in my life and i feel like that's why like i've never um I've I've been able to pursue this rap shit and I help people out with it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I, I help a lot of people around me and I'm trying to lift as many artists up out of mass as I can. I got a gang full of artists outside that gotta meet you after. Oh, you really know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I've I feel like from watching the interviews with you from like ten, eleven years ago that I just saw I wish they would take those offline. <laughs> oh God. I mean your your confidence just feels like it's kinda grown. A lot over the years. Well, like, I was scared to speak on like camera and shit like that before because I always had like a subconscious, subconscious is the word, right? Yeah, I always had like a subconscious thing about like my voice because I kind of like grew up in like a neighborhood being the only white kid. But then when I started being in other environments and realizing like, oh, people judge me for how I'm speaking, mm. then I got self-conscious about my voice because... I was criticized for it, but now I'm just like, did, fuck it. Did it is you what it used is. to have a gnarly ass Boston accent? Did, did you? Nah, did, nah, nah, nah. We don't have that like in our neighborhood. Really? That's like in like East Cambridge, you get that. Right. Yeah, like East Cam Cambridge is broke down. Like it's like there's the coast, which was like a famous like black area. That's where like Patrick Ewan and like um the Jarvis families from like Mike, Char like a lot of basketball royalty in the port, like Ramil Robinson. But then you have like, like East Cambridge, which was like tough Irish kids and tough Italians and Portuguese kids and shit like that. They have that accent. Right. So when I'd go to school in like Charlestown, they have that accent. Right. The town, but it just depends on the neighborhood that you've grown up in. Yeah. Cambridge is seven minutes from the town. Right. Or like, from, you know, from where they shot that movie and shit. Yeah, because I remember when I first went to New York, when I was maybe like 18, 19, there was definitely a lot of people, like the young ass kids from Brooklyn and shit that we're out riding bikes with, they're looking at me and my fucking accent and the fact that I say wicked and... and, and fucking you know, wicked, you, smart, all, dude. All this shit, they're looking at me like I'm so fucking weird. They're like, where are you from? I'm like, New Hampshire. They're like, they have no idea what that. I might as well have said fucking. You got to put it on the map, bro. man. They have no you idea. And, um, you and Chris Brickley. You know who Chris Brickley is? Nah. He's the number one basketball trainer in the world. This shit is Chris Brickley, 603. Really? He trains James Harden. He trains Durant. He trains all of them. Wow. 603. You and him doing it fucking big. And Mandy Moore. And Mandy Moore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For sure. Mandy Moore. Um. Okay, so like, when would you identify as like, kind of one of the the peak moments for you, just taking your rap career serious, more serious? Because it seems like you were steadily just like getting that to that point over like the last decade or so. Like you just kept getting more and more serious. You kept yeah. figuring out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, like, really, I could say like like a year ago because how you said figuring it out, I had to just. I figured out like a lot of shit before I used to be like, all right, if I'm really living this music, I don't need the image with it. I don't need the jewelry. I don't need the tattoos because this is my life. You're going to hear the music and know it's real, but the, the game doesn't work like that. That's fair. And then I had to understand, oh, I'm a visual artist too. Mm. Music yeah. videos are insane. Yeah, music right videos. Yeah, because I'm, I'm looking at the music and I'm like, damn, my, like, um, I don't look like how I sound type shit. Mm. And so... You know, I just I was always tatted, but I just started giving a fuck and getting more yeah and putting some jewels on. So that that's came more recently after shit was booming. But I'd say like 2016, 
I did the BET Cypher, and I got in there the most independent way you could ever get in there. Like, everybody was signed or came through PR. I used to show up at the BET Cypher every year, 2014, 2015, 2016, because I knew a cameraman. Mm. And they would tell me the location of this little studio in Brooklyn. So I'd slip in the door, and then I'd just tell people, yo, if y'all need a, um, if you need an extra, uh, extra rapper, I'm here. Like, I, I, I'm telling you, I'll flame it. Did that in 2014, sat for three days, nothing. 2015 is when Kendrick said the, um, the line about, I'm the king of New York or whatever. Right. And ASAP Mob was there. And I remember ASAP Mob looking at Kendrick and being like, yo, we got smoke, right? Like clowning and shit. Like, <laughs> but it was like weird little tension shit. Right. I was there for that, sat for those three days. 2016, I came. And um, I'm ready to do the process over again. I'm there. I'm telling people, yo, I got bars. I'm telling you. So finally, they tell me, yo, somebody didn't show up. You might have a chance. I'm going to show your link. I'm going to show your link to, uh, to Jesse Collins. Jesse Collins is like the big dog at BET. It's Jesse Collins, Yomi, and this other lady. And I forget her name, but she's my angel. Um, and so my man showed the my links to them and I'm watching them like from across the room and cause they're deciding my fate. If I rap on the BET cypher or not, which right. is like the biggest thing as an MC. Yeah. And so he's like, yo, you might want to go over there and just try to extra convince them type shit. And so I ended up, uh, I walked over there and I'm like, yeah, you know, I start giving them my pitch and Jesse Collins was just like, man, rap, man. Oh shit, everybody's around. It's like a hundred people. It's, this is at lunch break in like the cafeteria. I just started rapping. They weren't even looking at me for like the first four to eight bars. On the eighth bar, he kind of looked up. Twelfth bar, now they're all looking at me. Sixteenth bar, now they're giving me a little of this. <laughs> I ended the shit. They were like, right, we'll huddle up about it. Right. I go back to the table and talk. It's like the catering people. I'm like, yeah, I did my shit. I could did my shit. You know what I mean? I'm hype. Then I'm waiting, waiting. Like 45 minutes later, the lady, I want to say her name is Michelle. She's my angel. I love her to death. She came over and she was like, hey, come here. Walked over to her and she's like, you're in it. We're going to put you in it. I'm like, put me in what? The cypher? She's like, yeah, we got to sign your paperwork. I don't know if you could wear that NBA jersey. I had like a Celtics jersey on and shit. Mm. I was like, I don't give a fuck. Go shirtless. Like, <laughs> don't matter. But, um, and like, long story short, I got in it and I ended up leading off the BET Cypher. So when the shit aired, I let it off. Wow. And then Charlemagne and Envy said I had the best freestyle. Wow. You feel me? So that was like a pivotal moment for me showing whatever I put my mind to, I could do it. It's kind of like no jumper. Like I knew like I would be here one day. I just put my mind to it and it happened at the right time. Like maybe it wasn't time for me in 2014, 15, but in 2016, I cracked that cypher. And that's when I said, oh, I could get recognition for bars. Because at the time it was like a lot of like, like artsy type rappers mm. and shit. And I feel like rap wasn't like in the forefront like that. But then once I realized I could get recognition for bars, because labels shitted on me my whole life, like still to this day, like I get like one off bags and like now it's like I can force certain independent labels to give me money because I have accolades and shit and I have a following. Mm. But I always have been shit on. And um, I realized after the BT Cypher with social media, like, oh, I could just run my following up off of rapping. Mm. 
And that's what changed everything, really. And like, so the moment that I felt like really made me say, oh, no, I can make it in rap was 2016, the BC Cypher. But then I kept learning myself, learning myself. And then 2018, that's when I took like my destiny into my own hands. And I started just like putting out freestyles. And along that time, I linked with Kiss and... Now we here. That BT story, Bitch. That, that's got to be one of the best stories I ever heard on this podcast in terms of like representing that like never give up mentality yeah. that you really, yeah. really need if you want to make it, not just as a rapper, but and doing I anything. Rap, I rapped with my voice cracking the whole time. Really? Yeah, I'm nervous. I'm nervous as fuck. It's mad people in here. It's artists, bro. I was there with... I'm there with everybody. I was there while Russ was pacing back and forth, oh, remembering wow. his raps, young M.A. Everybody's there. Hey, Boogie and them is right there at the table. My voice is cracking and shit, but you got to go for your shit, man. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's hard. That's fucking fire, man. That's, that's crazy that that actually worked out. Because if somebody, if somebody were to tell me that they were planning on doing that, I would probably be like, bro, that's a, that's a crazy-ass <laughs> idea. That ain't going to work. Ain't nobody going to pay attention to you at the fucking BET Cypher when there's all, like, verified rappers. Yeah, like, everyone's verified. What's it going to take for somebody to pay attention to you in that environment? That's tough. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. Everyone, yeah, man. So that's, like, really, like, I grinded from the bottom with this shit, bro. I really, I really, I got a, I ain't going to say I got a million of those stories, but I really grinded from the bottom with this shit, and there's never been a handout in this shit. If anything, it's the opposite. Well, because I watched the, like, an interview that you did with Rosenberg, like, a few years ago, and you were saying, you're like, you know, I'm the type of person, like, I'll go to a show that I know you're hosting just so that I can meet you, say hi, shake your hand, and then I'll probably just be out of the show. Like, I, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. pull up just to try to meet and just make I did any that. kind of little I did, connection. I did that the whole New York, because, so, like I said, I moved to New York, I moved to the Bronx, fucking roach-infested apartment eleven hundred dollars a month i was taking the china bus back and forth fifteen dollars like i was really getting it out of live because i stopped hustling because i had to take a step back from music mm. just to purely focus on it but the shit was crushing my ego i was taking the train i had to learn the new york train system and i had met kiss around this time yeah how'd you meet him I met him through Seth Freeze. So Seth Freeze who really got me Seth Free owns the compound and he created N1 mixtapes. Oh wow. He created all of that shit. That's his vision. Seth Free paired Magnum condoms with XXL. He's like an ill marketing dude and shit. Oh, wow. But he had heard me off of some like world star shit that I was on. And uh he convinced me to move to New York. But I moved down there, but I still found myself like having to create my own network and shit like that. But I would, I would have nothing to do. I'd be in the house and I'd be like, damn, I gotta take the train. So if after after Kiss, after Seth Free introduced me to Kiss, we did a song. I paid him for a feature. But then I wanted to like keep growing the relationship. So I would see Kiss get posted on like like uh like Lust. This is when Lust and Starlets is popping like. Mm -hmm. Boom, and like Bernice Burgos is that starlet. So you would and just shit. pull up so that you could just be somebody that he was getting used to seeing. Yeah, I wouldn't even pull up. I would walk up. <laughs> from the train you know what i mean i would yeah. take the train and walk a mile i feel like i would take the train get confused miss stops and shit get off in uh astoria wherever it was at and walk a mile and get into the club and i'd be the only white boy in there just me and my fucking knife and a stripper i knew and i remember one time i walked to uh to around where um the vip section was and i'm talking to the stripper i know and she taps me and she's like, yo, MVIP, he's calling you. And it was Kiss and he was on the couch like, yo, come in here. 
So I'm yo, like, I yeah, yo, come in. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, bitch, I'm out of here. And I walk to the uh to, to the VIP section and uh the bouncer tried to shut me down and Kiss stood up on the couch and he was like, hey, yo, let him in. What's wrong with you? I looked at everybody like, what the fuck is wrong with y'all? I'm in here. <laughs> you got to play in. You got to live up to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do you know who thing. I am, stupid. And then like years later, like, but I did that a lot with whoever. Like I done been in like lust to like meet like Mano and shit like that. He might have not knew, but I was connected when I went out to New York because I met like some, some good people, some street guys like off rip, like shout out to the 50 movement you know what i mean and 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 a lot of people um in the city so I, I was making my rounds and shit but yeah i'd pull up on whoever however whenever because i just had to make that network bro it was all in like i only had negativity waiting for me at home so it was like all right i'm out here what am i gonna do i gotta do some hip-hop shit so i'd pull up on like a rosenberg and he'd be like oh yeah what up and then like forget who i am a million times but you do that a couple times yeah, They're gonna start remembering, yeah, you, you gotta know? pull up in the yeah. physical. That's why I don't even when people want to get next to, I just like when people want to get with me and they're trying to hit me on the phone, bro. Just get with me, figure it out, mm. get with me. But um, yeah, bro, I got that type of hustle. Yeah, no, I think that that's like the most important thing I could imagine in terms of an artist being willing to make it because you know now everybody wants to just do some shit online to get a name for themselves you know like they, they think that they're just gonna like do shit on instagram until people recognize them and they don't realize that if being around people and having people actually fuck with you and think yeah, you're cool human interaction is that's different. gonna take you so far hell yeah for sure. hell yeah but i mean i feel like you could still blow on the internet yeah but yeah that human interaction that take you further definitely that's dope though that you kind of realized that rapping well was going to help you Gain a real following. Yeah, I saw the reaction to it. Like, I think um, I did a freestyle and Kiss posted it, and that shit got a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand views on Instagram. And at the time, I'm like, yo, that's crazy. And then uh, and then Flex, we did Flex off of that. Like Flex saw that, and mm -hmm. then I got to do Flex, and then Flex took it to another level. And I said, oh, this rapping shit is how I'm gonna cultivate my fans because I'm a way bigger artist than just like a high level rapper. Mm -hmm. High level rap, I'm very prideful about that. I do that, I could do it with the best of them. I'm on Jada Kiss's album, mm. like me as a 16, you feel me? And he's the best. So it's like, I'm very proud of that, but I'm way bigger than just like a high level rapper. Like I make music, I sing, I make pain. You know, my shit is, I can make records for the club. My biggest records are over trap shit, like just mm. as far as like streaming wise. So, but I learned that like the high level rap, that's what's gonna attract people to me. Right. And that's how I could do it, because the labels don't give me nothing. Like, I don't have no external push. Right. And I didn't have no money this whole time. Yeah. No money. The whole 10 years, like, if I'm being honest, the whole 10 years, I never had more than $4,000. Because everything I fucking had, I might have made it look good, but everything I had, I put it back out. I never had more than $4,000. I got $15,000 on me now, casual. Mm. That's real. But people don't know how to just, t you know what I mean? I'm, I'm only saying that because it's people don't know how to just struggle for this dream for a second. Like, everybody want to be super lit off top. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, it just ain't how it goes. Um, but how did you actually get signed by Kiss? Like, how did that become a conversation? And Were you the first artist you ever signed? Not nah, Nino Man. Okay. Nino Man. You heard of Nino Man? No. Fire. Really? Okay. Hell yeah. He's from New York? Fire. From Harlem. Okay. He was on stage at the Versus. Okay. Yeah. So how does this conversation start playing out about you working with him on that level? 
so um, Ice Pick J, who was like, that's Kiss's big homie. Like, Kiss named his last album Ignatius. That's after Ice Pick J. Who, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. I remember him talking about that. Yeah. So Ice Pick J actually, Ice Pick J heard me on a singing record. And he just told Free, yo, play me another one of his singing shits. Play me another one of his singing shits. And he was like, yo, that's he he's it. He's he's really him. And he took me to Kiss and was like, yo, what do you think about Millie's? Like, Kiss, alright, fuck it, let's do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? One yeah. of those. So and that's how, yeah, that's how that went. So it really went through Ice Pick J type shit. And then, but I was already I was already like kind of like family with Kiss, but then he really threw the cosign on me. Right. Yeah, that's one thing that it's kind of crazy. Like, you seem like you just really formed a lot of like very real relationships mm -hmm. with a bunch of respected dudes. Because I'm watching this interview with you and Dave East, and it's like I'm kind of thinking in my head, like I don't know if I ever seen like a, a popular black rapper co-sign a white rapper this hard. Like this, like where you guys are really like friends and talking about going on trips together. And, and, and it's my dog. I'm yeah, like, yeah. damn. Like I mean, you really have like made a fucking amazing impression on a lot of the more powerful or respected people in the game, bro. I'm like legendary, bro. You kind of are, yeah. I'm telling you, like, if you really, the truth is far more sinister is what I tell people. <laughs> like, if you really know from the outside, it might look, I get it, because there's no, the, the only narrative, people in America only want the narrative that they know. They want the shit that confirms what they already think. Like, mm. that's what they search for. They, they, they don't want the truth. They want whatever confirms their narrative that they already believe in. And there's no narrative about white boys hustling or doing anything in the streets, even though there's like a movie like The Town and shit. That's white boys doing street but it ain't shit. But hip-hop. But it's not hip-hop. <laughs> the, the closest we have is Tommy Egan on Power. Okay. Did you watch that show? Uh, Do you no. know who Tommy is? No. I talk about him all the time in my songs. <laughs> because I got a bar I said I watch Power and I overwhelmingly relate to Tommy. Because that's the only depiction of a tough white boy that interacts in a, in a world, a, a hip-hop world or whatever you want to call it. You right. know what I mean? So people can't understand this shit because there's no point of reference for it. I'm the first. Right. And, and Boston, even even if it was just that, it's like people aren't used to seeing rappers come up out of Boston. And say, Cambridge, you know? though, bro. Because Cambridge, we got to say yeah. mass. This is what I do, though, because I'm not going to lie. Like, I love Boston. I'm born there. I went to school there. I have influence there. But I'm from Cambridge. It's a different city. Like, mm -hmm. And Massachusetts as a whole is like a different play to me. And that's what I want to push as far as like the movement. Because when I think of Mass and the, and the lit shit, I think of like, you know, we got Lawrence, Lynn, Worcester, Springfield, Lowell. Lowell. Like we have these thorough, thorough communities mm -hmm. and motherfuckers are getting a lot of money. And you know what I mean? It's all... On brand, it looks. You want to stand for? Yeah, I want to stand for Mass. I got Mass tatted on my fucking head, mm. so it's like, yeah, Massachusetts. That's the movement because Boston has such a big brand on it already. When you think Boston, you think racist, <laughs> right. Celtics fans, right? And Massachusetts doesn't come with that connotation. So I'm out here, yo, I'm from Mass, bro. Right. Because what are they doing in uh, Virginia? Like, when you meet someone from Virginia, from Mississippi, from Alabama, they don't go, yo, I'm from Birmingham. They, yo, I'm from Alabama. Mm. Yo, I'm from. So we got to just run with it like that because the brand 
It's kind of like the brand of Cambridge. That's Harvard. So Harvard is telling you they're putting billions of dollars over the years into their PR campaigns to get people to come. But they don't ever have the time to say, oh, yeah, there's also 14 housing projects in the city of Cambridge. Right. And people are living below the poverty line. So the brand of Cambridge will forever be that. Can't change that. The brand of Boston will forever be that. No matter what happens, every time a player gets traded to the Celtics, they put the KKK memes in the... So it's like, that's that's a thing. Now, that could possibly be broken, but I feel like we got to come with it as the mass movement because mass got a lot of talent. Right. Dude. And then even break it down within Boston to the Dorchesters and the Roxburys and the Mattapans. Make people really understand this shit because Boston has been pushed as a brand uh, that it's just white boys in Faneuil Hall, but that's a false narrative. Or that it's just South Boston and shit like that. Right. Did you... Because that, that is kind of part of the reputation of people from Boston, Cambridge, et cetera, that there's a lot of racism there. You grow up around a lot of that and at some point have to, like, you know, unlearn that or, or realize nah. that you grew up with some fucked up ideas nah, being presented so to you. Nah, so I'm from Cambridge. Right. That's, like, the most liberal city right. on the planet. It's true. So, like, when I'm five going on play dates with my friends, like, my mother never said, oh, yeah, by the way... These are some black kids you're about to go see. I didn't know. I really didn't get the the whole race thing until later on when other kids from like other schools, like if we had to, like I probably did some sort of basketball leagues and people, you talk like you black, like shit like that. Like right. I didn't really get that, but yeah, I never, I, ne- I never came up with that. But yeah, like um, there was a racist part of Cambridge, right? There was a there was definitely a racist part of Cambridge, East Cambridge, right? They, they they um they was they was on that racist shit like sometimes they would like um, dudes would drive by like and people are gonna be mad but suck my dick people would drive by um and and uh and be like n word lover shit like that like they would see me in the right. park yeah I get the n word lover shit like that How'd you feel and, about and, that? and we You're would like, clash with them yeah, I didn't yeah. know I'm like bro I'm just here in my it's the same way I feel when people diss me on the internet and go you want to be but I'm just here with. The motherfuckers I grew up with, bro. What do you want me to do, man? Right. Yeah, I can't help what I'm into. I can't help. You can't help. Yo, isn't there some shit like 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 if you raise a baby with wolves, it's gonna think it's a dog. Mm. Some shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. You used to say N word. Never. Never. You know why? I ain't gonna lie. I'm like probably like in like like fifth grade. Probably like. I was with my man ES and I, I tried to fake experiment with it over a song, like the song lyrics was playing. Mm. And he just checked me, like, even though I'm just rapping my favorite lyrics and shit, he was like, yo, don't be saying that shit. Mm. And it's my man. Like, we, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like the, the fact that he checked me and he's the most laid back person in the world. And so I learned to even edit it out of songs that I like. Right. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of white kids who grow up around a bunch of dudes. No, I know hood white kids, though, and, that and they, they say that and they let that they, shit yeah. fly. And, and they and, think and, it's and, totally fine, but then they start to get some degree of notoriety. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, the rest of the yeah. world doesn't care about these five black dudes who are cool with me saying it. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I, I realized from that. I said, damn, if my bro will check me on that, that means I'm going to have confrontations. And I was already having confrontations because I didn't look tough mm. like i just like 
like, you know, there's some white boys that look tough, like Russians and shit like that. I just didn't have the tough look, like a blonde hair, blue eyes. People was already setting up, setting it on me for no reason. I had to fight a lot. Mm. And I'm like, All right, I'm not going to make the I'm not going to make it more fights for myself because I want to uh, because I'm trying to say this word. So I, I deaded that at like 10 years old. And I decided I'm not even saying that shit in the capacity of of rap lyrics. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I would feel uncomfortable even saying it by myself in the car. So. Definitely saying it around like other humans would probably be really weird. Yeah, not facts. Definitely. Yeah, it's crazy how much like like you in the old interview shit I seen you, you definitely like just gave off way less of like a tough, confident vibe. But it's 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 so interesting to see how somebody could just through having more and more life experience, just sort of like gain more of that demeanor of like confidence right. that you sort of project now. That's good. Um Fuck. Also, yeah, did you lose? Can I smoke this cigarette? Of course. You got another one? Somebody got a lighter. You got another one? Lighter. What is that, Newport? Yeah. Looks like you had it behind your ear for a while. Top lit eye. You got another one? This is it. Yo. You he, came here he with got, a single Newport? He got, no, we got him in, <laughs> we got him in the car. <laughs> All right. That's cool. We, we get you one. I'll get one out there. Somebody get Adam a Newport. <laughs> what are we doing here? You had one song where... You, uh, I just hear, heard you say something about like I dedicated my whole fucking life to this and I still ain't made it. And Are you I just, just like listening to my shit. Yeah. What do you think I'm doing here? I appreciate you, bro. No, no doubt. I just thought you was gonna be like a little like just uh, look for take, some beef. Taking an interview. Yeah, yeah. Nah, I, I do as much digging as I can. That's fine. Ske- schedule can be tight sometimes. Damn, I, f- but I forget what song that was, but yeah. It was like you walking up the stairs as you said that. But I was just really thinking about that, and I'm like, there must have been so many moments of like pure frustration that you have to get past when yeah. you feel like I've just given so much of myself and like you know you're, you're in so much more of a better place now than you were five years ago four years ago three years ago but you still have to fight against that yeah, you gotta feeling fight every day bro and I, and I gotta fight rejection bro I still face that shit like I faced a lot of rejection just in my life in general mm. A lot of rejection. I feel like I went through more rejection than the average human goes through in their whole lifetime in like a year of my life. Easy. Really? Easy, easy. Because I put myself out there. Mm. So, yeah, you can just fight through that shit. You just have to get used to it. That's a big part of it. You have to get used to 100 people saying no just for one for person one, to yes, say yes. Yeah, facts. Yeah, 100%. But uh, what, what do you like? Have, have there been moments that were like really hard for you to just keep going and in, in terms of chasing this path like was there ever moments so, where you're like fuck it i'm gonna work at the mall i can't do it like or i'm gonna go back to the streets nah, and I was just gonna totally trap. forget i was gonna trap because honestly like even when i my mother made me get jobs and when i got jobs like i had to like quit one because i got shot at and they found out about it. It was a city job that I had got through, like a job program. You got shot at while on the job? Nah, it was oh, at my okay. house. But they you was, got fired because of that. They they it was through like the city, so they was like, yeah, you got shit going on. Like, oh wow. So I didn't return to work after that, and then I had another job, and dudes ran down on me. Like it was it was in a. It was in like an opposition neighborhood. Like I would go, I would, I would work jobs just to make my mom happy, and I would put my life at risk. Like I'd have to go to work with the pistol on me just so I could be like, "Look, mom, working." Right. So like, when you build up a certain level of baggage in the streets, you can't go to work no more. Mm. That's the fucked up shit with like the young kids running around drilling. Like if you ever want to square up, it's hard because dudes don't want to let a lot of shit go. Mm. 
You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, I, I never, I never thought about like quitting and like working at the mall. But I definitely might quit, I, quit and get a break. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was, I was confused at, at one point in um 2011. I had a release party for um for my album, and uh, my man Rock Ducati was there, and that was like another one of my big homies. And he had kind of, I had met him like a couple years prior, but he just believed in me with music. So he just, he really put a battery in my back, like musically and shit. And Rock was at my party and like, we had like one of the greatest nights ever. And as I walked, um, we walked outside from the club and uh, it was like, you know, a lot of shots went off and shit and he passed that night. So like, that was like an extreme high from music where it's like, I'm doing this positive shit and then walking out the club all of that ended, you know what I mean? And it was like one of my lowest lows type shit. So oh. that kind of made me like, I don't know exactly what, I always associated music with something positive, but this was the first time that I had doubt because I'm like, damn, how could something so positive essentially bring something so negative? So I would say, I don't know if I, if I felt like quitting around that time, I tried to start experimenting with more like different types of music and shit not like mm. i mean rap shit you know what i mean but i was like let me just try to make this mainstream white boy music so i could get rich and get my homies out of the hood and like that's that's where my mind was like i was just kind of thrown on shit but then you know what i mean I, I shook back but yeah i would say that was probably one of the rougher times and then yeah i don't know i've had moments where i'd be like fuck this shit mm. But See, I get frustrated because at certain points it's like I'm just putting money into this shit and not really getting that much back. Yeah, from it. yeah, yeah. And and it's crazy when you know you're better than dudes. Like I know I'm making better songs than dudes. And I know, and I always had a core fan base. I always had people who told me, yo, your music makes me uh made me not commit suicide. Like I always had that shit. Your music mm. helped me through the toughest time of my life. I always had that shit. Always. Super core fan base. So I knew like the caliber of my music, but it's just frustrating. Like, damn, I can't crack. Like they don't, people, the industry don't even believe in this shit because they've never seen it. And it's a cookie cutter industry. They don't know how to work this shit. That's what I would get told. Like they, they don't know how to work me. Mm. You know what I mean? So I work my fucking self and I'm independent. Yeah. You thought about signing or is it just never really Not now. Not now. Yeah. Hell yeah. I would have I probably signed for $20,000 at one point just to say I signed. Mm. Not now, ever. Definitely. Do you feel like getting that uh, proximity? <laughs> Let me not say ever because there's, a, <laughs> you know, that bag. Right. But do you think, did the, the kiss thing mean a lot to you? Like, look at this, like a fucking absolute, without question, legend in hip hop believes in me enough to get behind me like that. I mean, that, that's a big cosign. That, that feel yeah, like you yeah. made it to a certain extent? Because, yeah, like, yeah. what can you really tell me if you just, like, some guy on the block in, in, in Cambridge, what the fuck can you tell me Jadakiss signed me? Like, Jadakiss believes in me, so what the fuck does your opinion possibly mean to me? Right. I mean, there's, there had to be a bit of that, right? Yeah, there's, there's definitely big validation points, like, through the course of this shit. I just wanted it to be validated in money at one point. Mm. This year, I started getting 10, 15 bands for the feature. Ding, 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 ding. And then I said, I'm fucking validated. Like, by the money. Right. You know? As far as, like, so, like, within the art form, I always felt like, yeah, I'm doing great, but I never felt like I could say, like, yo, I fucking made it. You know what I'm saying? 
I caught I caught two checks this year. Like I I got I got the Blanco. Uh, I did the album with Easton. I got the the Blanco full project. So it's like this year everything. It felt like all the hard work over. 10, 11 years it got paid back this year. Right. Paid in full. You know what, what I mean? What would you do to celebrate, if anything? You buy yourself anything or you go out anywhere? I don't really celebrate, bro. I'm like work oriented. The only way I can celebrate is in like a work capacity. Mm. Like, I went, I was like, if I go down in like Atlanta and like, fuck around in a strip club or some shit, like, but it's still the work capacity because they're playing my records, but I don't celebrate. Like, mm. definitely. But I went to Tulum. I went to Tulum three times this year. So. This wow, three times in a year, huh? Yeah, so that's I guess a little celebration. I went there like immediately before the pandemic hit. For real? Yeah, it was like the last thing we did before the pandemic took over. Actually, no, it was New Year's, so it was like a month or two before. But Tulum's amazing. I can't complain. I know it's supposed Tulum's to be like fire. kind of blown out and trendy at this point, but I'm it's like, fire. it's just it's amazing, and it's not that far away. They don't want to hear us talk about Tulum. Uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb. And say that you've probably seen a gigantic percentage of the people that you went to high school with dead off fucking fentanyl and heroin over the past uh, however many years. Does that... Sometimes I think about that, and that makes me feel like a little bit more kind of shocked that I made it to the point that I made it to when I think about how bad the situation has been for a shitload of the people that I grew up around. And I'm sure it's not even just that. I mean, you've seen a million people get shot, all kinds of other... And, that, and that's the people who are dead. I mean, there's a lot of people who are alive that... Yeah, it's nasty. Kind of probably just as bad. Uh, do you ever think about that or, like, just the, the carnage where you grew up? Yeah, it's crazy. I, I, I really saw it more, like, in, like, the... Um, like, when I was growing up, them, those, like... Damn, how could I say it? When I was growing up... I'd be around a certain caliber of these white boys who were tough, like tougher than any white boy on the planet. Mm. Like real, like the kids I went to school with, like from Southie, like from Oak Colony Projects and shit like that. Like mm -hmm. real tough fucking white boys from the projects. And I remember, I remember seeing one, one of them like in my, um, in my senior year and he came in and I hadn't seen him for a while, but he was weak. He was a little blue in the face and he asked me to open a now and later for him. We <laughs> physically couldn't open a now and later. And this is somebody I know who, for being super charismatic, for being super charismatic, strong, talk shit all the time. And for him to humble himself down to ask me, somebody talk shit to all the time, mm -hmm. like in jest, you know what I mean? But to ask me to open a now and later for him, that's the first time I said, oh, them drugs are all bad. And now I see a lot of that. Like I see a lot of um, like tough white boys that's gone. But all, all cultures though, you know what I'm saying? All cultures, but I really seen that shit hit hard in like, you know, Boston and, and the surrounding areas. So. Yeah, no. It's nasty. That that that's when it'll really hit you when there's a dude that you think of as like a hard dude who you know you're intimidated by or whatever, and then at a certain point you're just like, oh damn, you're a junkie now. Like you really like on this. Like I don't know. That's that's when you sort of realize like, damn, this shit could happen to anybody. Because when you're young, you look at crackheads or, or people who are off heroin and shit, and you're like. You, you can't, you know, for me at least, it was hard to understand how a normal person got to that point. It feels like these people just were always like that. Mm -hmm. And once you really start seeing it happen to, like, your peers, it'll change your whole fucking viewpoint. Yeah, no, nah, that's a fact. It's nasty. Um, what's it, like, style-wise, 
you know, it, it feels like you have, you know, you have like this sort of like lyrical style that you that you are sort of committed to. But then I do see you like jumping around and doing stuff like doing drill type records with Sosa yeah. Geek and shit. Yeah, like, yeah. Does that feel like a Sosa Geek? Is that a primarily like different experience making that kind of song? But also when I'm listening to that, I'm like. Sound good on I, it, I was right? clicking on it. Yeah, I was clicking on it to hear. I was like, oh my God, is he going to be doing a goofy ass drill flow? And nah, then I felt bro. like, you, I I felt like you stayed true to yourself yeah, on it. And I'm bro, like, nah, I whatever it. I do, I'll put the high level rap element in there. But I, I'm telling you, I'm wild, versatile, bro. I could do any type of music. So, like, that was, I just, I, I wanted to get Sosa because I had already knew Sosa before. Big trip. I fell in love with the lit. Sosa. Right. I, before all of that shit. I knew him. Yeah, oh, okay. I knew him. So, when I wanted to do some drill shit, I'm like, I got to call somebody from Brooklyn that I know to do it. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, but I could, I, could, I could get off on anything, bro. You hear my shit with Asian Doll? I did. Because yeah. I was wondering why is Asian Doll in this Jim Jones video uh, that you had? And then yeah, I'm like, oh, uh, there's another video with Asian Doll. with her, all that. How'd you meet her? I met her. <laughs> I, met her in, uh, I met her in Atlanta, and we were in like a strip club, and... We left and we were gonna go to another spot. I was, uh, she was with somebody I know or whatever. So we were all gonna go to the other spot. I had the Rolls Royce Cullen and shit with the stars, the, the truck. We all get in the car or whatever, and then shots start going off. Doo, 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 doo. Machine gun fire. It's like in the background and shit. But my man taps on the window and he's like, "Yo, Millie's, get out the car, get down, get down." I'm kind of drunk. I'm like, "Man, that's just far away, bro. We good, bro." But he's like, "Get the fuck down." So I. I get out the car I go to get down and shit but before I like look over in the passenger seat and like Asian doll is like in in the what's the shit called the mirror right here mm, she's the in the she's view. in the mirror like doing her makeup or fixing her <laughs> lip gloss and the shots are going off it's just normal for yeah, her <laughs> I swear to god I said oh she's a real thug She's looking in the mirror and she's doing her makeup or her lip gloss or something super unfazed and it's like boop 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 doing her shit i'm like yo come on get low and then the shots stopped and shit i got back in the car i'm like yo you crazy she's like no nah, they're just shooting for nothing some shit like that we went to the after i was spotted shit i'm at quavo it was cool you uh you learn a lot about people when you when there's like high pressure situations off, just gunshots in yeah. general because like i've been in that situation where there's like a shooting outside this like uh you know store party type thing and they start shooting, but they're shooting on the sidewalk outside. They're not shooting into the store. They're shooting at each other out there. But everybody starts diving. I'm, I, I dive too because I'm not even thinking. I'm not. I'm, I don't mm -hmm. know. I ain't really been around this many shootouts, so I dive to the <laughs> side too. And then I look up and I see some dudes I know, and they're just like standing up, you know, looking over, <laughs> yeah. trying to see what's going on. And I'm like, figure it out. I'm like, that is a more reasonable re response because it, it, it wasn't like people were shooting into the store. You got to know, yeah. I, I, if you've been around gunfire, you know where that shit's coming from too, a little bit. Like, yeah. you can still get hit on some stray shit, but I feel like you're going to know how far that shit is away from you a little bit. Right. To yeah. overreact or not overreact. I just be pro feeling protected by God too. Like, yeah. I don't really bug out. That's good. What uh, you have a relationship with Jim Jones, or how did that one come about? Because I, I feel like yeah, that's Coppola. one of the hardest records, and that's the one we saw on stream, which I think Fuck is how that. I first seen you. Yeah, hell yeah, that was a hard Jim Jones verse too. That what made you mean me want to go it on stream. Uh, the streams that we do on Fridays where we listen to people's music. Oh, they played it. Yeah, we played it. That's hard. Yeah, I, that actually really made me want to go listen to the last couple Jim Jones records or like He's albums fired. too. No, Jones one of my favorite. Yeah. Jones one of my favorite. Like, just um. 
just coming up, I always liked Jones's like lyrical ability. Mm. Before people were saying he's lyrical. Mm. Like I always, I, I, I always liked his flow patterns and shit. So that was dope to get he's on with him. He's aged very well, and I honestly, because I used to listen to a lot of him in like 2003, 2004. I feel like he's way better now. Nah, he's he's getting better. Yeah. yeah, I love his old music though, but yeah, he's getting better now. Like just on some like high level rap shit, he's getting better. Yeah, yeah, facts. Definitely. But uh, that shit, uh, we put we put that together. I just bumped into him a lot. We put that shit together, and then we shot the video in Harlem. That was dope. Asian Dog was out there. Right. D from Rough Riders was out there. Shit like that. For sure. What about the G Herbo thing? Where'd that come from? Herbo, Herbo posted my um my bars on nine five freestyle. Oh, wow. But I went on tour with Herbo in two thousand and sixteen. Oh wow. On the Smokers Club tour. Oh. So I had known him a little bit. Shout out Johnny Shipes. Yeah, shout out Johnny Shipes. That's the hardest white boy in the game, actually. Now that we're yeah. on the topic, yeah. And then uh I met him so I I used to open for him on that tour for probably like four or five dates or some shit. But then like recently I think Kiss had posted my bars on nine five freestyle. And Herbo just out of the cut just took my shit and people started hitting me like, yo, you see Herbo reposted your shit? And he put something like, I love rap, bro. I love he was hype off the shit. He was like, I love rap. And he was tagging me and shit. And I was like, where it is lit. And I just knew like, all right, he gonna do a feature for me. I hit him up and he did it and he kept it super solid. Even like, even just now when we just dropped the shit, I hit him and I'm like, cause yo, he don't, I don't expect nothing from nobody. I don't expect nothing from you, nobody. Mm. Because it's like, you're, no one owes you nothing in life. You know what I mean? So I hit him and I was like, yeah, I'm about to drop it at 1230. He hit me back like PM, mm -hmm. Eastern time type shit. <laughs> Like, yeah, I sent him the clip and he threw the shit right up with me. That shit got like a million on his gram and that record's going crazy. That's my fastest moving video. It's had a quarter really? million. Yeah, it's, a, it's at 500,000 in like six days. So, wow. hell yeah. Shout out Herbo. That's and he's just good for the culture in general. Like, because the kids like him. Hell yeah. He's tied to like the whole Juice World shit and all of that. So he gets all of that audience and then he shows them, y'all know what's cool? Rapping. Mm. <laughs> rapping, being able to rap so more kids are going to grow up being Herbo fans and then I told him this shit like he's going to influence like a generation like below him to actually want to rap. He's one of the best. Yeah, he's fucking incredible. Super influential on like Hell yeah. all these like kids or fans of like drill music and shit like that. I feel like they look at Herbo as like a god. Like he's he's somebody who transcended that and came up with his own yeah, style yeah, that's yeah. still in that, but he's got his own. And he's still style. young and he goes. Like mm. even on that record, like he know I'm saying crazy shit on that record. Mm. I said double up my dollars, must acknowledge I'm an eight series swerver. The forty turned him to a vegetable. That's basically murder. We like I'm I got bars in there like flex style bars, and he's gone. Like he. Everybody I lock in with, though, that's one thing I can say. Nobody plays with me on the features. Like, everybody goes mm. for the juggler. Pause. Nobody wants to look bad. Yeah, like, everybody's going to rap when they get on my songs. Mm. Benny gave me one of the craziest Benny verses ever. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Definitely. Uh, fuck, yeah. So, what are you uh, planning at this point? What's, what's, what's up next? You've done a lot, but I know you still got a lot more ground you want to cover. Yeah, I plan to, um, I just, I just want to get to a um, position where, like, I could put other artists on. I want to be able to, uh, I want to be able to start my own label and really, like, pull up some artists from Massachusetts and come through with a wave of artists. I want to pop on a high level and then, and then bring some artists behind me and shit. You know what I mean? 
That's right. actually what like we never talked about it, but like when I had like when I was running around with Shoddy, Shoddy would always tell oh, me right, like, yo, right. bro, Massachusetts is it, bro. It's untapped, bro. You could really, you could be the one to pull everybody up. He kind of put that battery in my back to mm. be like, ah, oh, yeah, I could do that. Like, and so that's one of the goals I got. You know what I mean? How Sh did you meet Shoddy? I met Shoddy in um in, in a clothing store in Manhattan, and he had like seen me on the internet or some shit, and he was like, "Yo, we got the video tonight with uh 50 Cent, the get the strap shit." He was like, oh, "Pull yeah. up." That's the video they say got shot up or whatever. You were at that shit? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So like, I pulled up on him, and then we were just cool ever since after that. Wow, that's legendary. Yeah, yeah you know, Shoddy DM me like a week before the Fed case. I always, right. I always kind of regret that I didn't get that interview in. Shit, I, yeah, I, I talked to him out, two hours before. Yeah, he'll be out. Hell yeah, stand-up guy. He could look himself in the mirror. Yeah, that's facts. Um, but, okay, you got anything in particular that you want the people to look out for? Anything uh, that you're excited Blanco about? Blanco 4, when's this interview dropping? Probably next week. So, like, after the 20th? Mm, around then, maybe a little before then or a little after. Blanco 4, man. Blanco 4 featuring Herbo, Benny the Butcher, Jadakiss. Asian Doll, Dada the Dealer, Y Jizzle, 8 Zip, Jazzy Amra, all produced by Ray Beats. Shout out my video guy, Tinge. We're going crazy, man. Great body of work, and I'm going to just keep dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. I like that you're so motivated to be, you know, to really do it for Massachusetts and your we city. We have to, bro. It's like super untapped. Yeah, and it's like... Yeah, I think it's honestly kind of like the way that Sosa came out and just completely like changed the way that people thought of Chicago. Boston only needs one person to blow up out of there to really motivate the whole fucking yeah, the yeah, entirety yeah, yeah. of it. But we got people them. like, yeah. but it's mass though. That's another right. thing. Joyner Lucas is from Mass. This is a good point. Joyner Lucas. Bia is from Mass. Mm. Millie's is from Mass. See what I'm saying? And then there's a, a slew of other artists. Adam 22 is from five minutes across He's the border. He's from fucking New Hampshire, kid. Gate City, bitch. Bitch. Oh. <laughs> you come to the Fezzeline Mall when you don't want to pay taxes on your TV. <laughs> the Fezzeline Mall. Your sounds... Abercrombie purchase. Yo, the Fezzeline Mall sounds crazy. Tingsboro Movie Theater right there. That's you hard. You sneak in through the back. Nashville, New Hampshire, most populated city in America without a movie theater. Because everybody it. goes right to Tingsboro and hits it right over the border. Talk your shit, yes. man. Tingsboro. Very important that the people know. That's real. Hell yeah. Anybody want to shout out? Anyone uh, you want to Man, all, make like, I, I really want to shout out all the artists in mass because it's a big platform, but then I'm going to miss people and they're going to get mad. But, yo, it's a big scene out there going crazy, crazy, mm. crazy. You ever tap in with 1090 Jake? Yeah, it's my boy. Okay. I hit 1090 Jake when you said there's no popular white rappers. I said, and you said 1090 Jake should be a rapper. <laughs> I hit him and I said, bro, they're saying that you should be a rapper and I exist. This is crazy. I seen him put that on a story. That's funny you said that though. Yeah, and he was like, yeah, bro, I don't even rap. I don't know why they said that. You know what I mean? But um, I, yeah, I told him to hit you. I told because I know, I know, I know, I know my guy over there hit you. But I was like, mm. I got to double down with Adam. I got, I need this interview, man. No, as soon as I started checking the shit out, I was like, "All right, I gotta, I gotta get behind this." Where appreciate you, bro. For sure, man. Millie's. Spell like six one seven. Appreciate you, man. I'm gonna take you up on that Newport too, by the way. Let's get it. Millie's. No jumper. Coolest podcast in the world. Check us out on YouTube. Check us out on Patreon. The patrons are on the screen right now. Like, 
comment, subscribe, nojumper.com if you want to support. And subscribe to my YouTube channel too. Sub to his channel. You probably already subscribed Nelly's. to this one. You've been here for a while. Go hit his shit up. Yeah. Spotify, all that. All that. Buy a t-shirt. Appreciate you, man. Salute, bro.